0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now,
1: here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day. The Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we move on through the summer. Getting pretty close to September. Schools are in session. Uh, Catholic schools are in session. Uh, Some of our colleges and universities are in session too, and. uh, uh, but it's uh, still summer out, isn't it? Well, we haven't had a chance to uh, um, tell you a little bit more about uh, the just concluded in the last week or two, uh, World Youth Day, um, and we have, and have in front of me, the text of Bishop Soto. Bishop Soto was at World Youth Day in in uh, Lisbon, Portugal, with a number of pilgrims from the diocese of Sacramento. And I'm going to share with you the text of Bishop Soto's homily. From Wednesday, August 2nd, during the Mass he celebrated for the pilgrims from the Diocese of Sacramento at the Church of St. Anthony of Lisbon, Padua, in Lisbon, Portugal. The homily is based on the readings of the day and reflects the themes proposed by the Holy Father for World Youth Day. Bishop Soto um, um, also included, uh, there was a great photo, uh, uh, if you can go to scd.org, the the website uh, of uh, the... uh, Bishop, the photo uh, at sunrise in Lisbon. Uh, These are the words of Bishop Soto. The face of Moses radiated God's presence. The prophet's face reflected a glimmer of what he witnessed as he stood in the almighty presence of God. Moses was considered a friend of God because God had befriended him. Moses could stand in his presence and live. His radiance was the glow of friendship. The radiance of God on the face of Moses struck fear in the hearts of Aaron and many of the chosen people. There was something about this radiance that was overwhelming. This was so much so that Moses had to wear a veil over his face. Moses still encouraged the people to come close to him so that he could relay to them all that God had spoken. The story of Moses is an important, is an important one for us to hear. Being in the presence of God did not make Moses look glum or gloomy. He was radiant His face reflected the incredible beauty and glory of God. The face of Jesus reflected an even greater glory. His humanity did not hide the glory of his divinity. He revealed a glory greater than the radiance of Moses. He wanted his disciples to reflect this same glory. Like Moses in his conversations with God, we come to reflect the radiance of Jesus when we draw near to the Lord and converse with him. Jesus wants to make us radiant, With his wisdom, mercy, and joy, Jesus wants to shine in us and have us enlighten the world with the glory of his presence. The gospel today presents us with two parables, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. In the first parable, we are told that the person who found the treasure out of joy went and sold all he had. This person, even before he possessed the treasure, reflected an exuberant, generous joy, selling everything he had. The treasure of the kingdom was already apparent by the joy with which he sold all he had. The joy and generosity were as much a part of the kingdom as the hidden treasure itself. The friendship of Jesus is the great treasure for which the human heart is searching. These are the words, the, the um, homily from Bishop Soto, August 2nd, in Lisbon, Portugal, to uh, Sacramental Pilgrims. Um, uh, They're gathered there for World Youth Day for too many the treasure re- the, for too many this treasure remains hidden jesus has revealed this treasure to us through the wound of his pierced side jesus has opened up the treasure of his most sacred heart the more we contemplate the wisdom mercy and joy found in the sacred heart of jesus all the more will we radiate the joy and the generosity of jesus in our own lives Today we have spent time reflecting on the integral ecology needed to change the social and moral climate of our world. We must change if we want the climate of the world to change. An important part of this change is changing our mind. Understand that we are part of nature. We have a human nature that roots us as part of creation and opens us to the divine. The divine treasure of God's mercy is revealed by God's creation. Psalm 19 sings, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament proclaims proclaims the works of his hands. This treasure remains hidden for those who choose only to see the world as a reflection of themselves and not as the work of a creator. To see the hand of the creator opens a treasure more beautiful than all of creation. Knowing Jesus, we come to know ourselves and the world as created in the image and likeness of God. We come to know the destiny to which our human nature is called. The wisdom, joy, and generosity of Jesus radiate a vision for a new humanity, for a new creation. This begins as it did for Moses. We must come into the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, contemplate the treasure of the Eucharist, converse with him, and enter into communion by receiving him into our hearts. In the wondrous mystery of the Eucharist, the fruit of the earth and the work of human hands, reveals the awesome presence of Jesus, body and blood, soul and divinity. Here is the kingdom revealed by Jesus. With joy and generosity, he gives himself to us. With joy and generosity, may we receive him. In this morning's catechesis, you reflected on Mary going in haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She had a great treasure hidden within her. The, the reading from Luke told us how Mary revealed this treasure to Elizabeth by her joyful generosity. Even before Jesus was born, Mary was giving testimony to the joy and hope of the gospel. Let us ask Mary to show us the joy and hope of her beloved son, Jesus, found in the holy treasure of the sacrifice of the Mass. The mystery of the Eucharist reveals this, the, great culmination, the great culmination of all creation. All of heaven and earth, along with all of humanity, is united to Christ Jesus in radiating the awesome glory of God. Through the intercession of Mary, may our lives shine with the joyful and glorious generosity of God. Those are the words of Bishop Soto, his homily to pilgrims from Sacramento at a Mass at uh, St. Anthony of Lisbon uh, in Lisbon, Portugal uh, earlier this month uh, as part of the celebration of World Youth Day. And of course, the uh, 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 Pope Francis uh, made a lot of headlines there uh, with with uh, his words of wisdom to all, all of the youth and young adults and families and uh, pilgrims there in Lisbon. Uh, the estimates I saw for the the, the the Mass were about a million and a half. Uh, so a, 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 great, a great gathering in Lisbon, Pol- Portugal, and uh, a good gathering of pilgrims from the Diocese of uh, Sacramento. Also, um, the... Uh, a lot, a lot happening here in the diocese. Uh, um, yeah.
2: While you look that up? I have a question for you. Yes. If you don't mind, um, what what are the events? I mean, I know we've listed things like most that happen at the World Youth Days. So like a, it's a lot of people getting together. I'm imagining, and, and it's just it's.
1: Well, there are a lot of there are a lot uh, on a diocesan level, and then a lot on a uh, international level, if you will. I think one of the. Some people camp. Some people stay in hotels. Some people stay, uh, you know, Airbnbs. Some people mm. stay with families. Uh, some stay in parishes. Um, uh, they, they move it around. Uh, there was a World Youth Day in Denver. I uh, remember in uh, Germany, the Rio, um, all the, over. And uh, How and far ahead do they pick it? I believe. Do you know? Uh, usually, they, I don't know if they... Always announce it at the, uh, but it's it's usually about every three years. Okay, it's there's not an exact on it. It's up. Uh, John Paul II started them, mm-hmm. and uh, they move around the world, and very, uh, very moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I think that one one of the biggest thing is to people to really see the internationality of our faith you know how mm-hmm. people from all over the world gather um it's and the pope is always there uh usually makes a a grand entrance of one kind i i know uh, pope benedict came up on a, a boat in the river <laughs> uh, when it was in his home country of germany um is and i remember uh in Rio, i think uh, pope francis said he says i know you're all busy if you if you don't have time just read matthew 25 <laughs> you know and do it mm-hmm. you know so uh just a just a lot going on, and uh, a lot of a lot of pilgrims from the diocese of of Sacramento, and uh, the bishop had a special mass and, and a dinner for for people from Sacramento that they could join, and had had some events here prior. Uh, had a, had a mass and a dinner up at uh, Saint Isidore's in Yuba City before they all left right. as, as well. So, uh, just a just a. <laughs> somebody called it a Catholic Woodstock. I don't know if that's an exact So <laughs> say every three years yeah, it's almost yeah, like yeah, Catholic yeah, it's yeah, almost like a uh, Catholic Olympics but, uh, almost uh, every three to four years they pick a yeah, new city. <laughs> but it it was uh it, it was always a and I, I I remember hearing from a number of people about how much they came back to the faith or their faith was renewed, their faith was strengthened by attending a World Youth Day. Uh, yeah. that it was that that powerful of a presence, and you know, there's. I don't know if there should be, but there is. There, there, there is strength in numbers. You know, when you see a, a, a lot of people gathering. You know, when two or more of us gather in His name. Well, when you two or more million gather in His name, it's powerful stuff.
2: Yeah, you always you you kind of always hear that term in a negative connotation, but it's always a, it's a very positive connotation. Because oh yeah, you, absolutely. You you it is comforting to know. I mean, even if it's something as simple. I mean, take. Faith completely out of it. Like if you're you're sitting in a coffee shop reading a book and you see somebody else is reading that book, yeah. you kind of lock eyes. You ask what you want to talk about. Then all of a sudden, yeah, someone right. else walks in. You next know, thing so you know, you're all in this discussion and you have this thing in common. And it it's, doesn't
1: always mean you're on the right path, but there's something right. about that uh, that you you don't like, especially when we we're talking about uh something that you consider to be good, just something to be moral, good for the world. Right? Uh, you like to know that other people. Or on board, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I think everyone always sort of has that in the back of their head, like, you know, is this, you know, no, and again, not necessarily with faith, but is this, is, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right, do I feel, this feeling I have, is it right, is it this, is it that? And the more people that... All of a sudden, you like. I can imagine, like, if somebody had that feeling about about the the church, and then they go to World Youth Day, not knowing what they're going to see, and then there's thousands of people. It's probably yeah, millions. There's probably a very large relief in them that goes, "Okay, uh, I'm amongst uh, my my people here."
1: I still remember my dad always telling us about the universality of the church, of the Catholic Church, and and how unique that was. You know, and uh, this is you know just another thing that it always impressed me. You know that we could go to mass in some small town in Idaho. And uh, mm-hmm. by golly, it was the same mass we had at my home parish at St. James in Davis, you know. Right. And, and uh, I was always always very impressed with that. And and here you're seeing it worldwide, mm-hmm. you know. And ga- gatherings are, you know, we're a, a church that's all about community. Well, mm-hmm. this is this is huge community. And I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, the secular press is is covers it quite extensively they yeah. cover it as a as a as a very big event uh as they should they do certainly in the in the country where it's held but also um you know where wherever it is um it's uh even even you know the, the secular press here in the united states covers it mm-hmm. and the pope usually when he gets back on his plane to, to go back to the vatican he he holds a pretty wide open press conference with the with with the press on the plane he goes to the back of the plane where the press the press is and sits down and faces them and says have at it right you know that's that's and is very generous with his time very forthcoming with his uh with his answers and uh um is, is you know he's you know john paul ii was the same way um Benedict, in in some people's minds, I think were, was maybe a little more reserved. He was mm-hmm. such an intellectual, but was also very uh, very forthcoming. And with uh, you know, each each had his own his own way of spreading the faith. He
2: also, I think, it had a hard act to follow. I mean, everybody, uh, every, I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody loved John a John generation Church and a half John. grew up with him basically. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, it's it's. It wasn't an easy task going in. Yeah, for sure. But,
1: but you know, he followed him well, and then, yeah. uh, and then saw that that uh, he couldn't continue. He didn't feel like he had the vigor and the strength, and and that took a. I, I just think it took enormous courage for Benedict to, to face the reality of that, mm-hmm. and uh, to say, "I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step aside." Uh, that's, uh, you know, unprecedented, of course, and. Uh, and yet, I I think it showed the ultimate humility of Pope Benedict.
2: Yeah, we do yeah. see a lot of people nowadays in different jobs that sometimes people are like, you know, maybe maybe they don't they don't have it anymore or they don't feel there. Then you can tell there's something different about them, but they don't they don't want to walk away from it. And uh, you kind of want to you want to help them and kind of. And he just said, you know what, guys, I don't think I have. It. And it's yeah. like it's like he just he he did it on his own. That takes a tremendous remained, courage.
1: Remained, you know. Uh, uh, a great and faithful servant. Yeah. And and you know it, it's interesting I had a I had a friend who was a a broadcaster for a long time and finally decided to hang it up when he was about 85 years old but mm. but he felt he he and I thought he was still great. Right. He was a sportscaster but um and he told me he said, you know, I got advice one time and he said from Bill Walsh, the mm-hmm. old 49er coach. And he said, he told me, it's better to go out a year before you're ready than a year after. <laughs>
2: that's <laughs> and, a good point.
1: You know, and and that's that's how he wanted to go out, you yeah. know, and, and uh, pretty good advice.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, for somebody who I actually um, met Walsh and uh, did a little bit of stuff with him when I worked for the Niners, and he came back for a little while just as an yep. advisor, and he... He did it because he wanted to, because he was yeah. bored not having football yeah, in his right, life. Right, right. But I mean, you know, it's it's nice to have that that decision making where you are like, I can I can go back and do this for fun right. if right. I want to. Yeah, and 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 obviously, like in Benedict's case, I mean, he's like you said, he's he's stuck around in a capacity and and done a lot of things. But yeah, it's very courageous to just say, you know what, I don't think I, I can yeah, do this,
1: especially just for, for a pope, which is right. you know a lifetime appointment. Right. Um, you you we we have you know you don't think of very many lifetime appointments federal judges u.s supreme court judges mm-hmm. um but even they uh, retire we, we've had a few retire yeah. yeah yeah but it's it's more common it was uh, obviously for benedict it was a a really hard decision i'm sure there's
2: a the difference between a job and a calling i guess yeah, it's well, easier yeah. it's easier to retire from a job uh, yeah so. yeah Anyway, it's. But it's uh, you, you mentioned three things I thought were interesting, or two things that are interesting. There's a boat, a plane, and the pope mobile. He's got like a whole yeah. land, sea, and air. He's got it all.
1: Well, yeah, I remember um, getting to um, attend when Pope Benedict mm-hmm. covered. Uh, he came to New York uh, and visited Ground Zero mm-hmm. before it had been rebuilt before the the big. Buildings went back up.
2: This was, this was like when it was like under the it ground was, because of the parking structure, it was, right? Uh,
1: it was a pit. Yeah, it's it a big was just a ditch big in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Mean, it was. It was really, really deep. I mean, it was probably it, it, like the sidewalk, the street level. Mm-hmm. It was all fenced off. But if you walked down the sidewalk and looked down in this pit, you're probably looking twenty, thirty feet down. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just all, all dirt.
2: Wasn't that where the parking structure, a lot of that was, and other things like that underground? I mean, there was, uh, obviously there was probably like you know supports and things like that oh, down there, sure, but yeah. I think there was a parking structure on the ground because I mean it's Manhattan, you can't park yeah, yeah anywhere. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, because somebody had tried yeah actually, uh, previously to so, blow it up from from a, a yeah. bo- uh, like a car wasn't bomb it like ninety eight or something like yeah, that that happened under, yeah underneath the anyway, um, he he arrived in a Pope mobile and, but I remember going. Uh, the, they had limited press because uh, it's very small. I mean, it's not small; it's a big pit. But but they obviously the whole world wanted to be there. Right,
2: you got to say they no had, at some point to certain yeah. people. Yeah, And
1: and so they had the print media, they had radio, and I was representing radio uh, and print, and and then uh, TV, mm-hmm. and and everybody in the world, like I say, wanted to be there. But they had what they call a, a pool reporters where you, you shared your stuff with other reporters and and they limited it and just luck of the draw I got to be one of the pool reporters mm-hmm. so was, was down in the pit and the Pope was supposed to come I believe about 9 or 10 in the morning we had to be at 3am at the headquarters of the hotel where they were checking us with the the sniffing dogs, and oh, right, everything right. else, and then they put us on buses, and you know with the police escorts on all sides of the buses, we're going through Manhattan in the middle of the night, right. really, and then they took us down into the pit, pitch black. Hmm. At, at f- it was April, but there was a it was a breeze blowing. It was cold. Yeah, I bet. And so, and and they had just just a, like, mini bleacher you might see at a Pop Warner football game for mm-hmm. little kids. You know, just about, could hold 30 or 40 people. Right. And and then there was a a, a kneeler for the Pope. Mm-hmm. We were maybe 20, 30 feet away from that and sitting in the bleachers, and it had a candle and water, and the candle would be lit, and and the Pope eventually came. There was a big ramp, wooden ramp, coming down. The Pope mobile came down that, hmm. and and he got out. And so we had been there probably six or seven hours by. Oh my gosh! At that point, and we're actually quite cold. Did they
2: let you guys kind of like at least walk around well, or just sit around, in the bleachers? But okay. They,
1: once once you got down in that pit, they weren't going to let yeah. you back out. Right, right, we yeah. You didn't yeah. want to go back out and go through uh, those dogs again. <laughs> 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 and and so I remember. The weird thing was the TV people could just do, show show live.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're waiting on the Pope kind of and the, spots, and the print yeah. print
1: people, you know, they got their notebooks or their, you know, their recorders or whatever, and the Pope came and knelt and prayed for a while, and around this sort of a semicircle around the Pope were 24 people who had lost loved ones in nine eleven? Oh, man. Some of them were family members of first responders, some of them were family members of people that were in the building, um, various various people. They weren't necessarily Catholic, though. I don't know how they selected who these right. people were gonna yeah. be. yeah. And each one came around to talk to the Pope after he was through praying, and I was so moved the Pope didn't talk very much. Mm-hmm. He just listened to their story, mm-hmm. and some kind of briefly shook his hand and kind of nodded and walked on. Other people maybe talked to him for a minute and a half. Oh wow! And and he just listened and nodded. And I was just I said this this man is a, this is a holy man. Yeah. You know, and a wide variety of people mm-hmm. and it was very 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 moving and uh, it took t- took a fair amount of time because mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't want to rush anybody he didn't tell yeah. him there was nobody there saying okay move along now yeah. you know they're not, not, they're not, not
2: playing no, the music at like yeah. the oscars like yeah. all right yeah. move it on yeah, yeah. no uh, not at all yeah you give them all the time they need
1: uh, it was a it was a really really solemn the uh, you know the governor of new york was there mayor bloomberg at the time in new york uh, he was there um who's the governor back then do you I remember think it was patterson i think okay. his name was yeah, yeah. And could be wrong. I think that that was his name. And uh um but I remember at one point I was on live radio mm. and I'm sitting about 30 feet from this very solemn. I mean, it wasn't a quote unquote religious ceremony. Right. It was a pope. It wasn't mass. Right. It was a pope greeting people mm-hmm. and listening to their stories and being there and just his presence being there. I mean, the church didn't have anything to do with nine eleven, right? Uh, you know, he was just there to to uh, lend a, a hand and a heart, you know. Yeah. And the uh, and this was about I I, I could be two thousand seven two thousand eight. So I was
2: working here, so it was around then probably because I had just started, maybe not long after right. that. So yeah, right. I remember. I remember when you went to New York, and we took like a week or so off. Right. Yeah.
1: And um. And so I'm. I'm on the radio, which requires you to speak up. Right. And I know some of the print reporters were looking around at me like, why?
2: Shh. Right, yeah. Did you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah, talking yeah. loudly. Right.
1: Sort of like I was covering a golf match. You know? <laughs> you know? And, and it was, it was, it was really, I'm, I I'm kind of, you know, I scribbled in my notebook. I said, I'm on live radio. Like,
2: yeah, I have to talk.
1: Uh, silence is deadly on radio. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, that was minor. It was minor, but it was it was it was one of those little little yeah. things you, and it was it was it was interesting because the next couple of days, Time Magazine had that scene on the cover of Time Magazine. I remember that. And you you could not make out the people in the bleachers but you could make out the bleachers hmm. and you know this it was mostly was it was a photo of the Pope and it was kind of a from above mm-hmm. but we were close enough mm-hmm. that the bleachers were in the photo but, but but the but the focus yeah was and and I remember going I I think I'm on the cover of Time magazine there you go uh, although you couldn't say there I am or there I am or there I am yeah. other than you could kind of remember where he sat yeah. but but our faces weren't they were kind of blurry
2: <laughs> you're the guy standing with everyone away from you because you're talking yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and but it was it was it was so moving yeah and it was so wonderful to see him and then of course got to cover the uh, when uh, Pope Francis came to Philadelphia mm-hmm. he also came to New York but uh, yeah um, and, and celebrated Mass at Madison Square Garden <clears throat> and uh, but then came to Philadelphia and and uh, uh, celebrated mass on the Ben Parkland, Ben Franklin Parkway. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've never seen so many people. So, uh, had those experiences with Popes Yeah. and, uh, been very, very fortunate to, uh, yeah, for have. sure. Absolutely. So we had a chance to sit down with a four part series with, uh, uh, Deacon Greg McAvoy Jensen, uh, to talk about the mass. And we, we, uh, Brought him in to do four different segments on the on the mass, and uh, we've already brought you segment one, and now we are going to uh, bring you s- segment two of learn all about the Catholic Mass. I know it's been very valuable to me and my family. I hope it will be valuable to you and your family wherever you are listening. So here's our interview with Deacon uh, Greg McAvoy Jensen, uh, our ongoing series about the mass, the various parts of the Mass.
3: Yes, that's right. We're focusing on rubrics primarily. Rubrics, what are the rules? Yes. What, are the, what do the books say to do? I love that to do? R- Oh, it's formal. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, and uh, last time we talked kind of about rubrics generally and about the introductory rites a bit, so right. we'll kind of maybe wrap up there uh, yes. first and get into the Liturgy of the Word after that.
1: Yeah, maybe, so. maybe just, a, uh, just a quick recap
3: of the introductory rites. Yeah, yeah, let's just name them. And then um, my question for you will be, which of these do you think can be chanted or sung as we Uh-oh. go? So <laughs> this will be, be your quiz. So we start with the entrance antiphon or song, but that, that's going to be an easy one. Then we've got the sign of the cross. We've got the liturgical greeting, the formal text of the greeting. Then there can be an informal uh, introduction. Uh, then we have the penitential act, the gloria, and then the collect, the opening prayer. Hmm. So, any uh, uh, the Gloria, you know, the Gloria for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I didn't list them there Did I for win you. The new car? So, well, you got you, you got a wheel. <laughs> yeah, I got I got wheel. a wheel. <laughs> There's a start there. So, oh, that's yeah. great. But that's uh, right. wow. but the in in reality. Other than the, the introductory words that the priest himself might choose to compose to introduce the liturgy of the day, or everything can everything. be chanted. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. uh, beginning to end, has uh, musical settings for it, et cetera. So That's anyway. wonderful. A little trivia there. Yeah. For me,
1: but. Trivia, but important trivia.
3: Important trivia. I think so, yeah.
1: Isn't it weird that word trivia comes presumably from trivial, which means insignificant, yeah. where this trivia, a trivia to me is just like minor or lesser or something. Mm-hmm. It's not big deal. But, right, yeah. But by golly, that's important. Yeah,
3: I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come back to that, I think, as we get yes. into talking about Liturgy of the Word, what parts yes. can be chanted or sung. So And th- there's one other piece to it that cannot be chanted or sung that wasn't listed in that litany. Right before the opening prayer and after the Gloria... Right. Um, there's there's one more liturgical element, and that piece is often forgotten, and that's silence, a oh. period of silence. Sure. The priest says, let us pray, right. and his, the intention there is, let us now start to pray in silence, mm-hmm. uh, essentially. And then he collects all of our separate individual silent prayers together with the collect. Correct. But uh, anyway, that, that's, I think, a, another important piece, not just the singing, but uh, an actual period of silence, and I think if we include it regularly, folks start to expect it and and can utilize it when it comes, as opposed to wondering if something's wrong yes, or yes. are we just waiting for the transit of the altar yeah. server with the book? Is that right. what's happening now? Where right. he's late, she's late, and so we're waiting, or or is this something this we're supposed to, to do something yeah. with? So. Yeah,
1: yeah, it it, it is. Uh, yeah, I could always, I know, especially. When we would go to mass with young kids, I could use a, a few moments of silence prior to mass. Right, you know.
3: Yes, and and depending on the squirliness of the kids, the parents may need a few hours of silence after as well. Yes, so that's, yeah, that's I, I've right. been there. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. We used to. Uh, uh, <laughs> Our threat <laughs> was no pancakes after mass. Oh, and, you were good. Okay, bathe. for
3: ours, the the um, the carrot, so to speak, was donuts. Typically. Donuts, so, yeah, but, but but pancakes. That's a little more yeah. elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that that the collect then concludes the introductory rites. If you're a one of the kids uh, who all you can think about is pancakes, at this point you notice the big changes. You get to sit instead of stand. That's so that's right. that's the big yeah. transition as we leave the introductory rites and go into the liturgy yeah. of the word. But
1: I, 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 you know, just talking about kids, we 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 didn't we didn't ever really have any big problems. I mean, I there was probably a time or two where a kid maybe was getting sick and we weren't aware of it and they were just cranky. But I really think it's important, as as much as possible, that they really do come. They know that this is what mom and dad do on Sunday morning, and that they they or maybe even Saturday evening, um, and that this is an important part of our lives. And that one thing that we we always tried to do was go over the readings with them when they got old enough to. Mm-hmm. To we have four kids in three years, so they were all pretty young at the same time and then, you know, moving along. If we go over the readings on Saturday evening, just uh, not uh, some big formal lesson, but just uh, maybe over the dinner table or something. When the readings happened on Sunday morning, they would perk up just like they were here in a nursery tale or something, you know, because, because, oh, this is what we talked about. That's just this prodigal son thing um, where the dad and the son and, and, or, or Martha and Mary, you know, or a- any one of the readings, um, it really brought them into the mass in a way that maybe they they okay this is just going to go on for a while and I don't understand any of it and you know but the the, the the going over the readings with them ahead of time really helped them.
3: Good, I'm glad that worked for you, and yeah. you're going to have to write up your specific techniques there. Yes, because right. for <laughs> ours, I, I would have one of the kids read at least the gospel, while we're driving to uh-huh. church. Yeah, yeah. And then the kids always told me afterwards, no, we didn't like doing that because then it was boring. We well, already knew the reading. Oh, we already so, knew it. Oh, that's okay, interesting. Well, yeah.
1: well, it probably would be age, depending on the age. Maybe. You know, and and and, you know, if you have more than one kid, you're dealing with different ages in the same car. Yeah, that's know. right. Yeah, so,
3: yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, and then speaking of kids, as we get to the liturgy of the word, one huge... Uh, parenthetical statement: We need to make here is um, the kids might go somewhere else for this part of the liturgy. Right. This is the moment when kids could be dismissed right. for yeah. their own, uh, you know, especially the the young ones. They uh, do that really in our, our kids. Parish. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some stopped uh, during well uh, during the pandemic. That right. really uh, was was impossible to right. keep folks gathered. Um, but we're past that now, and that's something that's uh, allowed well, and, to, and in all our that, parishes
1: was very heartening to me we we just uh, talked with bishop soto and he said that uh, uh the churches were packed on easter sunday i mean they always used to be packed on easter sunday and then we had the pandemic and 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 even though it seems to be in the rearview mirror some groups have just been hesitant to come back some for for very good reason uh, because they've got medical issues but that uh, for the most part we're maybe back to where we were which is really encouraging
3: yeah you yep know. it's great to have the people back, and then just uh we we just have to make sure we 're taking good care of them exactly uh now that they're here so good so yes after the the kids are dismissed we we have uh the readings, and some of the interesting rubrics um on on this piece are about the books themselves, you know how we bless liturgical objects right. before right. they get used, et etc um, what, one interesting comment, uh, not in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, but the lectionary itself has its uh-huh. own similar introduction, and it, and it, it says that the uh, the books should not be replaced by other pastoral aids. Right. so using the dignity of these big, beautiful uh, volumes, you know, that is something right. that we're to, to leverage rather than, you know, oh, I'll just print it out and carry it up on a sheet of paper right. or something like that, so... Um, it's interesting, too, that it the same—actually, um, uh, no, the general instruction uh, brings in silence as an important element mm-hmm. in the liturgy of the Word, and you don't have to apply it throughout the liturgy of the Word, but it says, uh, after a reading or after the homily, all meditate briefly on what they have heard. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not enough silence to create awkwardness, except maybe for a community that's not used to it. Right. Right. Um, so but but at some point in the liturgy of the word there time for actual meditation, you know, not not just a catch your breath, but enough time to do a little bit of, of mm-hmm. meditating on it. So uh, I think that's pretty beautiful, too.
1: Yeah. And, and very important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it It is interesting that every aspect of the mass is important. You know, it's like, uh, it's it's like somebody says, well, where is it? Where are the important, you know, maybe somebody that not not Christian or doesn't believe in the Bible or doesn't believe in God. will say, well, where are the really important parts of the Bible? You know, and I say, you know, I don't I don't if it's in the good book. I don't think there are any unimportant parts yeah. or just kind of, oh, well, that's just kind of boring. I, I don't know, begot and begat and all this stuff. You know, um, it may be some are more difficult for us to understand, but if it's in there. There's a reason. Mm.
3: Yeah. And in liturgy, a prior uh, director of the Office of Worship used to answer the question when people would call in, what's the latest I can come to Mass oh, yeah. and for it to still count? <laughs> still back back count. to that yeah. question of what's <laughs> important in the Mass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he would say 10 minutes before it starts.
1: So. Oh, very good. I like it. so, yeah, well, so I think it was – a. Uh, I was reading about a church in Michigan, um, and the, the, the sign over as you're exiting – It said, Judas left early, too. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. That's
3: good. That's a good one to hold on to. We'll come back to what to see or what what to think about as we leave Mass when we get to the very end of this. I I
1: remember hearing that about uh, how how, how late can you come, and it counts, and how early can you leave, and it counts. Right, right. You know, we've got it down to about seven minutes here. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad.
4: We did have um,
1: daily Mass, Uh, I remember, uh, Monsignor Coffee, one time, or, you know, the, the kids at St. James uh, would come over for daily mass, and one day mass was eighteen minutes—a daily mass—and they started calling him Instant Coffee. Yeah, <laughs> goodness. Yeah.
3: So one way to perhaps uh, slow things down uh, also is uh, the musical portion of the liturgy of the word. Right. So I mean, we've got the the first reading. Uh, there can be an introduction to the readings uh, as well, but the first reading, a psalm response to it. If it's a Sunday, then we've got the um, second reading and right. the gospel, the Alleluia or whatever, and, uh, um, uh, the homily, and then the, um, litur- or the, um, uh, general inter- or the creed and the general intercession. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the order here in the liturgy of the word. But most of that can be sung as well. You know, you can chant the readings. Right. Uh, you can chant the introduction to them. You know, a reading from the book of whatever. Right. Uh, but you can also chant the readings. There's one one kind of uh, mode for doing that for first and second readings. Another mode for the gospel. They're pretty similar, but some uh, different. What do we different... w- mean by the word chant?
1: A chant. You think of uh, in, out in the in the real world. Out out in the world. Chant sounds like uh, something monks do somewhere. Well, and that's that, really true. Yeah, yeah they do. Um,
3: well, chant as opposed to song. Song. Or, we're yeah. used to metrical song, right? right. Do, do you play an instrument? No. Okay. I mean, I tried. Oh, thank you. They okay. moved me well, along right. quickly. <laughs> okay. Let's so, try
1: the trombone, Bob. Have yeah. you heard
3: that music has a beat? Sometimes. Yes. Okay. I have heard so that. chant doesn't have a beat. Right. That's that's the big difference between mm-hmm. chant and metrical right. song. This is not my area of expertise we need a liturgical musician in here a pastoral musician to talk about this but chant is uh in at least in our tradition we use chant to help us with things like psalms that may not have an even meter they may not have like a similar number of syllables for mm-hmm. each line, so it might be really difficult to compose right. a, um, a through compose. I think is the phrase right. a tune for that. Um, unless you're going to just have it be kind of unique all the way and have no mm-hmm. no repeating patterns. Right. But with chant, you know, you can chant the phone book. You can chant. You know, we we can pull out a chant tone, and you can chant the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. or, or anything else. You can you can make that fit. Um, Partly because there will uh, be kind of an introduction to it, and then a reciting tone that you just hold, and sure. then you get to the end, and you've got the tone for that. That's one way that, that chant uh, can work. So that that's a bit of the difference, uh, I guess, there. And that makes it work for readings, for example. Sure. Sure. There are a few little... Um, techniques, a few little approaches to the chanting of readings that are provided even in the, I think, in the appendix here of the Roman Missal. And uh, with that, a person can practice, and then they can apply those principles to various readings Mm -hmm. and say, oh, okay, if it's a question, then I would do this with the ending of it. But if it's um, the last line, I would do that with it, that sort of thing. Right. Wow. Um, Yeah. We don't hear that much, but that's a just. This is another place. Now the homily wouldn't be chanted, right. um, but the creed can be chanted, and the universal prayer can be chanted, and basically everything in that part except for the homily and that little introduction that the priest might do at the beginning to, uh, you know, set the context yeah. a little bit for the readings. Yeah, everything can be chanted there. So, do you? Um, do you know what it is that a, a minister is supposed to preach on, the priest or deacon, when well, they get to the homily? What are they supposed pr- presumably to preach on? the gospel. Okay, the gospel. That's a good answer. You get another wheel for do your I? car okay, good. out good. of that, so you're moving right along. Yes. I need
1: five wheels. I need a steering wheel, too. Yeah, you, yeah. Do, you
3: do. Well, uh, it, the general instruction describes it broader, uh, though, than just the gospel. So the homily, uh, it says, should be... An explanation of of some aspect of the readings from sacred scripture. Oh, sure. So the gospel is one of those, but so is the first reading, the second sure. reading, sure. the psalm, right. uh, even the uh, the Alleluia verse right. uh, comes from uh, scripture. Um, or uh, secondly, of another text from the ordinary, in other words, from what what the Mass, the, mm-hmm. the wording of the Mass. Right. So you could. Preach so your homily broad. on yeah something, okay. or um, of the proper of the mass of the day. So if it's you know if you're on Pentecost and okay. there are certain prayers that you use as the collect at the beginning, right. the prayer over the gifts, the prayer after communion, the specific prayers there, that might inspire the homily right. as well. So there there's more latitude than just scriptures, but scripture obviously holds right. pride of, pride of place, and there would be plenty of people who would start becoming unnerved if you don't preach on Scripture. But the general instruction uh, wouldn't be in that category because it provides uh, broader latitude as well.
1: Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, well, I've never, I haven't heard this from the pulpit, You know, kind of indignant about some issue of the day maybe out in society, and, and the father is, is being negligent and not talking about the issue of the day mm-hmm. or is shying away from it or something. When, in fact, there are, as you say, rubrics about it. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I was reading in one uh, uh, book on homiletics just uh, from from an individual, though the individual became a bishop, uh, and he was saying, yes, there are times, you know, if if 9-11 had just happened, and it's not, you know— there aren't easy connections from the readings right, that Sunday right. say, but do you say nothing? Um, should the homily be? And he was saying, you know, there might be a, a pastoral reason in, in times like that where you might come out before Mass starts oh, and uh-huh. have just have that little conversation. Or maybe a tragedy uh, has happened in the local community. Sure, uh, And just have come a talk prior to Mass. Yeah. yeah. That, that, he just offered that as one thing that might be a way of... Uh, not interrupting the flow and, mm-hmm. and focus of the liturgy. Obviously, the the universal prayer may ad- address things like right. that as well, but that's not the same thing as uh, you know caring for the community in in the right. way that a pastor needs yeah, to. Yeah, I as think
1: well. I s- certainly, in, uh, like a, a community tragedy, or or nine eleven. I I can't I can't imagine going to mass and not hearing right hearing it.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the are One of the tricks with the the liturgy is. it can also get asked to carry everything in the parish's life, mm-hmm. uh, as if we don't get together any other times, as if, you know, right. it's like, all right, here's nine, 60 minutes, and that's all you got. So any, right. in, anything that this parish is to do has to be touched on in that time, and that, that's not the case, especially since we've got new media ways of, right. uh, of interacting together as well. So there are lots of possibilities. One other piece on the homily there is that the um, the lectionary is explicit that any necessary announcements are to be kept completely separate from the homily. They must take place following the prayer after communion. Right. So there's a spot for them. There's a spot in the liturgy. Uh, we'll get to that, I guess, when we get to that part. Yeah, of the I, I, I
1: know. It's certainly been my experience that 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 is followed. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yep.
1: I I do see people start to leave during the announcements.
3: So, yes, yeah, yeah, that that can that can happen, and that is unfortunate. Yeah, but as you said, they'll have company, right? They'll <laughs> have Judas. So, <laughs> now there is another time though to leave during the mass, and that would be the point that we've gotten to right now, right after the homily. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, there's a category of people who we actually ask uh, to uh-huh. leave, right? The, the catechumens. Right. So we have a, a formal uh, dismissal of the catechumens, um, which also has the effect of highlighting. Their role in the parish mm-hmm. and their need for the prayers and support right. of the parish, but its timing is also interesting because it comes before the Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. So they've been admitted to the Word of God already by the rite of acceptance and and given given the Scriptures to as 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 uh, to share with us as their mm-hmm. rule of life now, but they are not yet ready to profess the Creed. Um, not specifically because they don't believe it, but because they haven't hit that stage right. um, in in their development, and uh, which which stage is being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, the the creed is sometimes called the the symbol of faith, right. and that's a uh, a way of. Um, Describing what a what a, I think a, a Roman uh, general um, would would provide to its their messenger who goes maybe from one place to mm-hmm. to another general far off right. days journey away and they have to authenticate some way to sure. show that they're the real thing right uh, and that this message should be trusted and so they disclose their their password they authenticate they show their sure. symbol on um, and that's what we're doing when we say the creed we stand up and for me it's kind of like uh, the Phone booth that Superman uses. Yes, right. right. He looks like Clark Kent. He looks like a newspaper media guy like you. That's right. uh, Glasses and all. And then in (laughs) he goes to the phone booth, and he then discloses to the world his true identity. And that's what we're doing when we stand up uh, for the Creed in part. And that's that's something well put. I like that. And that wouldn't be true yet for catechumens, but by sending them forth, we let people, let them and everyone else know that that is what they're preparing for. Right. Another beautiful part is, after that, we have the universal prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the the creed we have on Sunday Masses and and some others, but uh, we always have the the universal prayer. We call it sometimes the prayer of the faithful. Mm -hmm. Usually when you hear God addressed in the second person— it's the priest who's speaking those words, right? God, you, blah blah, whatever right. it may be in the prayer. But here in the universal prayer, it's the people saying, "Lord, hear our prayer," or hear making prayer. a making a response directly right. um, to Almighty God, and uh, that that's 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 a unique, relatively unique uh, point in the liturgy when they do that. And it's another reason that catechumens aren't. Ready for that right. yet? Um, because this is the time when we plead on behalf of the entire world right. for God. We exercise our priestly, uh, our priestly vocation, our right. uh, baptismal call to to plead for the world to God. And we can do that because we're united. We're we're right. siblings now with Jesus Christ, and so we have a standing to be able to to do that. And uh, catechumens are on their way, but not not at that point yet.
1: So how do we how do we pick those? The Yeah. You know, I, occasionally you'll see uh, somebody roll their eyes like, I can't believe we're praying for that. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, well occasionally. And yeah.
3: And we, we probably shouldn't have that because uh the, the rubrics say that they should be expressive of the prayer of the entire community. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, um nowadays that's tough. <laughs> good you good point, good point. And uh you know, maybe it's where what we're Calling the community to be, all of us need to uh, be able to pray for the common good of everyone, et cetera. Right. Um, the words also, according to the general instruction, should be sober, so not flowery mm-hmm. but sober. Mm-hmm. Uh, be composed with a wise liberty. So go ahead, you know, a skilled person should go ahead and and compose with the, the skill that they've got, right? Um, and in few words. Mm. That's that's a part that is difficult sometimes yeah. because yeah. we want to be really specific and we want to cover lots of different things and we have lots of thoughts, but it says few words, so yeah. um, that's a that's a challenge. But because they need to be expressive of the prayer of the entire community,
1: uh,
3: it doesn't say so in the rubrics that you can't use any other aids to right. compose these, but it, it would seem to me that you'd need to uh, it would need to be yeah. someone who knows the sure. prayers of this particular community exactly. so that they can compose the prayers and uh and it does say they should be composed with um as if we are writing them as right. opposed to from a volume exactly that w- made exactly. by experts or, or something like that so who does the composing well ask ask your pastor yeah. So, I mean, the pastor, the pastor or either does it. it or delegates it, yeah. yes, yeah. The, the rubrics are silent as far as I can remember on who does it, right. but it would be, I think it's understood that it's in the local community that right. that is sorted out. Yeah. Yep. I know they're not distributed from the office of worship. I can tell you yes. that. We, <laughs> that much I know. Except Good Friday uh, for the extra True. intercession that we had. Right. I was involved in, in uh, that too um, because it takes a bishop to add to the 10 mm. uh, intercessions, the solemn intercessions on Good Friday. Those uh, in the parish we cannot adjust. Right. Yeah. Good, good. And then another piece about that universal prayer is the the rubrics say that the priest uh, uh, leads this or directs, uh, I think is the phrase, if I remember right, from the chair. So this is another Mm -hmm. place where he's uh, utilizing that uh, location of authority, that symbol of his authority as the presider of the the liturgical community here uh, to lead that prayer. So not from the altar, not from someplace else, but specifically the chair gets leveraged for that purpose.
1: And the, the catechumens, um, Holy Saturday, um, what a day!
3: That's right, yeah, and a, and a long one because there are in addition to the <laughs> liturgy that we see the the long liturgy of the yeah. Easter Vigil, there are also the preparation rites for Holy Saturday, yeah. and at some point they've got to have uh, a form of rehearsal or other. Some some parishes like sure. to sure. Um, keep it relatively obscure what's going to happen and mm-hmm. some want to m- make sure people walk through things fairly right. well so that they uh, can can uh, carry it out with beauty and elegance and, and maybe not be too concerned about the logistics. They're yeah. aware of the logistics and they can enter into the prayer. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a huge day. Awkward. And that, that's a day that all of Lent has been building towards sure. uh, for them, especially through liturgical rites. Well, you know, as, as a
1: cradle Catholic, I've always found that mass to be so moving to see people my mom was a convert but to see people come into the church mm-hmm. um i guess of their own volition so to speak i was baptized the day i was born and literally and i did give permission but but you know to to, to so it was being catholic was from my very first awareness Whereas my mom was a convert, and and to hear her stories of why she converted, why she came into the church, were so inspiring to me, you know, like wow, you didn't, you didn't have to go to catechism class on Saturday morning, you chose to, you know, um, yeah, it was powerful:
3: yeah, that renews the faith of us all it does and uh, and it's a gift especially I think as you're saying for those of us who were baptized before we could remember it exactly. to be able to see the baptism of another right. and, the, and the church gives us the the gift um, by describing the adult version as normative for the rest, which right. partly means we can take from we can watch and observe and absorb an adult baptism. Uh, and know what that means for us as well, because right. ours, though it may, might have followed a different order, maybe we weren't confirmed the same day we were right. baptized or right. even before we received Eucharist, et cetera, regardless of the specific as, specifics of ours, we can understand the meaning and power of our own baptism right. uh, through the power of watching someone else's another adults.
1: And uh, hopefully everybody leaves there and uh, <laughs> I heard one for... Are there masses always three hours? <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, yeah. but uh, why is it that it has to be x num- x period of time after sunset? What, where does that come from? That, that that mass, those the Holy Saturday
3: mass so it's a nocturnal liturgy mm. and most of our vigils are not specifically nocturnal liturgies but this one is and it does not it's not a uh, it's not a like a cookout at sunset uh-huh. sort of liturgy this is something that has a fire outside that breaks the darkness of uh-huh. of night and creation conspires together with the liturgy uh to to create this the symbolism right. of Christ crucified right and right. here we are in the darkness of night we've been meditating since good friday on the death of the lord and and, and uh and waiting for his mm-hmm. resurrection because we we are a people who know how this story ends so we're right. not we're not blind to it but we're meditating on that moment, kind of like in adoration we 're meditating on a particular moment uh, right. in in the mass, uh, really, here we continue to mom- meditate on a particular moment in the life of the Lord. an interesting one in scripture because we, we're not told about the resurrection itself as in how that event right. unfolded it 's all indirect, but here we meditate in that in that space and christ's descent into hell. And the liberation that he was working that night, and we find in that darkness uh the light of the resurrected Christ uh as we go into the church, we see it reflected on the faces of all the believers,
1: yeah, and you really do see it reflected on the faces yeah yeah well deacon uh, greg mcavoy jensen uh, it's I learned so much from this i I look forward to it and so. i i'm I'm certain uh many of our listeners do too, and uh some of whom aren't Catholic. Uh, I hear from them, and um, I think it's, a, it's another, another wonderful step to have you here. So thanks so much for all you do.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure, and we can start talking about the Eucharist next time.
1: Absolutely. We'll look forward to it. Um, that's, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this.
0: And lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now.